Hello and welcome into Jam Session. Glad to have whoever you are listening to us. Jam Session is Matt McLaren and Jean-Jacques Taylor. We're two guys who used to do a radio show on ESPN Radio in Dallas, Texas. We now do this podcast. We talk a lot about the Dallas Cowboys, other Dallas sports teams, and just our interests in Dallas, nightlife, stories, beer, all kinds of things. Glad to have you. Thanks for listening. Let's get going. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast, sponsored as always by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights that legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, dog? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast, version 348, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. We got a lot to discuss. We, we were going through it before we started recording. It's like it, There's a lot of these little conversations to have about a few different things that are going on in the sports world that some of them are like, okay, are we interested in this? Some of them are just questions and whatnot. So this is going to be an interesting kind of a hodgepodge of a podcast today with all these thoughts that we have. But one thing that you do need to be aware of, and again, we, we tell you about these guys every single time, and I cannot tell you how important they can be for you. If you've been in a car accident, if you've been hurt on the, the, the premises of a business, whatever the case may be, you need to give the lawyers and the staff, the green team, Robert Greening at Greening Law, give them a call. It's a free, no obligation consultation you can find out if you've got a case or not and i can tell you that if they decide that you've got something the stuff that they know how to do the way that they fight these insurance companies for you it, it is it's phenomenal and, and you need them helping you in that situation yeah man it's um there's no need to take this fight on by yourself i mean really there's no need if you get involved in an accident or anything like that and it doesn't matter as matt has told you whether it's at your house an apartment building a business best thing you can do is pick up the phone and call Greening Law and tell them your situation and uh, hope like heck that they bring you on as a client because they they know how to make it happen. They'll f take you through the process. They'll lead your hand. They'll tell you which way to turn, which way to go, what to look out for. And that's all the things that you need to make you feel comfortable when you're going through this kind of long, tedious, complicated, frustrating, maybe sometimes scary process. Yes, that's exactly right. And they are there for you. They're your teammate. They're helping you out with this. So give them a call, 972-934-8900, 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening, offices, Dallas, Texas. So let's start with the Aaron Rodgers thing, because I, I think a lot of people have been talking about this, and you had sent me the link to the article originally that I, I can't remember where it appeared, like Football Talk or New York Post, or it was everywhere, who knows. But the point being that there is this dude, a longtime Packers reporter named Bob McGinn, who apparently has come out with this report, and I don't think he covers the team anymore. Seemed like, as I recall, he retired, but he said his instincts, his knowledge of the league, and his discussions with someone who has firsthand knowledge of the Packers, here's what he says about the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. He's not coming back. I mean, they're disgusted with him, and they're done with him. They're moving on. That's some pretty harsh, harsh tone, harsh language, harsh sentence right there. Um, but, you know, I compare Bob McGinn, for those of you who've been around Dallas-Fort Worth for a while, to Rick Goslin. Like, they're that kind of guys, guys who've been around, guys who've covered teams for a long time and, um, you know, have, have transitioned to a different part of their career. So he's still plugged in. Uh, with a team like that. And so I would believe uh, everything he had to say. I'm, I'm, I'm curious or I'm more interested to hear later, uh, you know, what exactly disgusted them, you know, what what was the, the uh, proverbial straw that broke the camel's back? What was the thing where they said, you know what, dog, uh, listen, I'm tired of this mess. 
Yeah, and it's interesting because he says, like, he goes on to say that it's it's the entire power structure, their CEO, their GM, Matt LaFleur, their head coach. They think he's not working hard anymore. They think he showed up last season not in the best possible shape, that he blew off the offseason program. It's it's really interesting because this, of course, sets up. We, we've heard that maybe the Raiders are interested in this dude. We've heard that the Jets could be interested, that the Packers would, would try to do the Brett Favre thing where they would only trade him to an AFC team if possible. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. But, you know, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, as he has gotten through his career, I, I can see I've never been a fan of Aaron Rodgers, the person. He's always struck me as kind of being a colossal douchebag. And it seems like as he's gotten older, he's just like almost embraced the douchebag villain role. <laughs> you know, and look, he, if he wants to do the, the days of darkness thing and the colon cleanse and all that weird stuff, then... You know, by all means, go for it. That's cool. Why not? But he, I don't know. He's one of the great enigmas, almost like a Drew Brees, of how in the world a guy like that, because I think a lot of people look at Aaron Rodgers and you say, he's not the GOAT, but he he might be the guy who played the position the best, and he only has the one ring, and has only played in one Super Bowl, and apparently is a headache. I was going to say, it's even more surprising that he only got to one Super Bowl, not, not so much one ring. Um. Yeah, man. You know, there's there's something to it, uh, and I say this in the sense that remember, you know, he's got a, a dysfunctional relationship with his family mm-hmm. where he's gone a long time without talking to his parents, and uh, there's a lot of people out there who have issues with their parents. Um, you know, so take that for what it is. But it just seems like he has issues in a lot of places, and I think, uh, oh, you know what I got to do, man. Mm. I gotta look up his birth chart. I gotta see what, what I gotta see if there's any explanation there for why he's kind of a, a quirky dude. Yeah, that'll do it, and, and maybe that'll tell us why. But it is. I got into an argument the other day at a brewery with this dude who was like, not let go that he's like, oh, Aaron Rodgers is a, is the goat quarterback. He's the greatest player in NFL history. I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, I and he gives all these examples and all this type of stuff. I said, man, the, the name of the game is winning fairly or unfairly. He's not the goat. He's pretty damn good quarterback. But in, in like, you can bring up, oh, well, they would have played in another Super Bowl if in the Seattle playoff game that dude doesn't try to field the onside kick and Seattle gets it back and all this and the defense failed him. I was like, yeah, you can make that case, but why didn't he score on every drive? You know, I mean, there's those types of things as well where the onside kick could even be a thing. You know, I mean, he gave him the lead. I get that, but why wasn't... Like, you can go down that rabbit hole of these different things but that is, I mean, the three quarterbacks that, that jump out to me as how in the world they only ever got to one are Marino, Breeze, and Rodgers. Marino obviously didn't even win when he played his Super Bowl. But the fact that Aaron Rodgers, the things that we've seen him be able to do, never found a way to get into and, and play in more Super Bowls. I mean, imagine if Pat Mahomes had won the one Super Bowl a couple of years back and never made it to another Super Bowl. We'd all be like, what? how is that possible? And yet Aaron Rodgers is doing that. <laughs> no, no, you're true. I, you know, it's it's interesting because I don't think we've gone back and really examined how he ended up in just one Super Bowl. It's just that he did. Um, you know, but he's also played in a lot of championship games. So he's yeah. been close and hasn't been able to close the deal or seal the deal for whatever reason. Uh, I'm sure some his fault, some not his fault. But the bottom line is... Uh, when you're Aaron Rodgers and you're supposed to be, I mean, not supposed to be, but you are one of the best quarterbacks who's played in this era, um, it just seems like you would have more because the great quarterbacks have typically figured out a way to get it done. Yeah, it does seem that way, especially that the level that we all, I think, kind of view him at, that it's a great surprise. And I don't know. I mean, let's say he goes to the Raiders or the Jets. He gets traded to one of those two teams. He's got more weapons. I mean, obviously, with the Raiders, he's reunited with Devontae Adams. But you're playing in the AFC West, where who knows if Sean Payton can fix Russell Wilson and they're going to be a threat. There's Justin Herbert. There's Pat Mahomes, obviously. And if you go to the Jets, it's the Jets. And and, then, I don't know, again, he's got more weapons up there. They've got a couple of good running backs. They've got uh, Wilson, the wide receiver who had a, a phenomenal rookie season. I don't know. I, I mean, at, at this point of his career, do you look at either of those teams as a threat if Aaron Rodgers shows up and plays for one of them? Um, I think Aaron Rodgers is always a threat as long as he can play. Um, now, for real, because, I mean, he's still got elite talent. 
Um, I think we still consider him one of the better quarterbacks in the league. I think Pat Mahomes has separated himself, and he's up there by himself as number one. But I don't think you get to too many quarterbacks before you say Aaron Rodgers still. And sometimes, bro, um, I'll put it like this. I was explaining to somebody the other day that uh, as I'm wrapping up the book and I'm coming down the stretch, uh, sometimes I write at home. Sometimes I go to a coffee shop. Sometimes I go to a different coffee shop. But I got three or four or five places I'll go right. And this person said, well, why? I go, well, sometimes you just need to change the environment up. You get a little different energy at a, at a different spot. And um, maybe a change up, a different energy, a different spot at this point in his career would invigorate him and um, help him maximize the last two, three years of his career. Yeah, it could be. And, and, you know, we forget about this with Brett Favre, but when Brett Favre, like not the final year of his career, but the year before that with the Vikings, remembered they made that run and they were probably the best team in the NFC that year and ended up losing in God, the, the NFC championship game. I want to say that was the year that Breeze and the Saints got him, that they beat the Cowboys in 09. Wasn't that the far of second to last year? I think. Yeah, I was trying to. Uh, I was trying to look it up. Because you wonder, like again, yeah, it was. It was Brett Favre. That's what I thought. Okay. And then they lost in overtime to the. The Vikings had six fumbles, three of which they lost. Favre threw two interceptions, and they lost the NFC Championship game in overtime. And then the next year, Favre basically was a shell of himself, and that was it. But for one year, very late in his career with Minnesota, after he had been with the Jets, he had Minnesota as the best team in the NFC during the regular season, and then they probably should have gone to the Super Bowl that year. So maybe, maybe <laughs> point being, maybe Aaron Rodgers can capture that here if he goes to the Raiders. or to, God, can you imagine if he got the Jets to the Super Bowl? That'd be insane. Dude. Well, you know, when we talk about the Jets, um, they seem to be putting together an elite defense they got some pieces on offense. What they really don't have is anything remotely close to a quarterback. And so you wonder, if I were the Jets dude, I would go for it. Because you've been so irrelevant for so long um, that you haven't had a real quarterback. I'm, I'm, yeah, I realize Ken O'Brien and some other guys have, have come through and had some success. Man, you ain't really had no quarterback since Broadway Joe, bro, if we're going to keep it real. You're correct. I mean, think, I mean, think about that. Y'all ain't the Jets. If you're a Jets fan, you ain't really had that dude since Joe Namath. Yep. 50 years ago plus, almost 60 years ago, y'all ain't had no quarterback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had Ken O'Brien. You had Boomer. You had uh, Vinny Testaverde was there for a you while. You had Vinny. You had guys. You had yeah Pennington. I mean, that honestly, like probably Chad Pennington's the best quarterback they've had since Joe Namath. To be right. fair, and he was solid. And yeah. Nobody ever thought he was anything other than solid. But y'all ain't had no quarterback, and so if I'm the Jets, man, I might be willing to take a chance on a future Hall of Famer and see if he's got two, you know, really good years left and see if we can make it happen. Yeah, I mean, it'd be worth it for them. The other thing when you look around the world of the NFL is the curious case of Jalen Hurts and what the Eagles are going to do with him, whether it's this offseason or not, it doesn't matter. At some point, the dude's going to get paid. And you wonder, what is someone like a Jalen Hurts worth when you look at it and you say okay I say that in a sense of you've just played in the Super Bowl you were a finalist for the MVP you could make the case that that and I know Mahomes was almost a unanimous MVP but the way the Eagles looked without Jalen Hurts when he was injured at the end of the season that was a colossally different team you know you look at all the accolades that he had he was a second team all pro this year made the Pro Bowl and you wonder, okay, well, how much is that going to cost the Philadelphia Eagles at some point as he goes into, you know, again, keep in mind, he's got one season left on his original deal as a second round pick. He's going into the final season of his contract. Um, you know, man, I've heard a lot about Jalen Hurts this week and uh, most of it's pretty good. 
Uh, some of it is I want to see another year before I really break the bank. And some of it is, oh, no, you got to, you know, with Joe Burrow and those other cats coming up, you want to be the first one to get your quarterback signed because you want to be setting the market. You don't want to be following the market the way the Cowboys did. And um, it, I think the question is this, man. Uh, and it's really interesting to me because the coordinator has changed. Um, like, do you believe, okay, I'm going to flip it around. Like, we believe this year from Dak, I think we believe in general, it's a fluke year. And next year he'll go back to some semblance of what he's been, which is a really good quarterback who has, you know, a couple bad games a year, but most of the time puts you in a position to win. Um, so do you believe that this is a fluke year from Jalen Hurts? Or is this who he is? Or is this basically a semblance of who he is? And so, yeah, he's worth, you know, $45, 50000000 dollars a year. And then the other thing is, bro, that you got to figure out is, and what, you know, there's a lot of great questions, man. Like, I was like, you got to figure out if you're Philly, do you want, we're all in. Eight years and four hundred million, or do you more? Are you more like, well, shoot, let's give him three or four years. And if you're Jalen Hurts, you like you want Pat Mahomes security, or you want like Dak Prescott. You know what, dog? Why don't you give me three years for one hundred fifty, and I'll see y'all again when I'm twenty nine. Yeah, that's that's the question. <laughs> Where it's, I th- what would you do? I would probably uh... take. The smaller deal. I'd probably be like, I'm in my prime. I just had a great year. Uh, $150 million is going to be generational wealth anyway. So I can bet on myself that I can follow this up and hit you again for $250 million in three more in two more years. Yeah, and he's kind of done that his whole time. I mean, he, he's obviously a big believer of what he can do, and he should be. <laughs> They have an interesting question because you do wonder that if it would make more sense to do that. And if you're Jalen, I think you I think you'd probably take that. But then again, do you look around and go, well, well, this is I want what everybody else is getting, you know, because that's that's a uh, that's a fascinating question because. You know, the team will, team will, and I was arguing with a friend of mine the other day. Well, quarterbacks don't need to take that much money. They need to sell some for everybody else. And I was like, dude, do you go to work and say, hey, I'll take less so that everybody else can have more? Right. I, oh, nobody, nobody thinks like that, bro, because the team always does what's best for the team. The team doesn't care about you, man. The team always does and says whatever it can to convince you to do what's best for them, and then they do what's best for them when it has nothing to do with what's best for you. Uh, so... The question is always, do you take less for the team? And my answer is always no. It's up to the team to figure out how to make it happen. But, the, you know, I'm also a believer, like, do you want what everybody else has got or do you just want what you're worth? Yeah, and that becomes – this is where it's going to get really interesting. And it's because when Patrick Mahomes signed his contract, that 10-year deal where it allowed the Chiefs all kinds of flexibility to move things around if they wanted to throughout the life of it, right. he was at the top at $45 million a year. Well, there are now four quarterbacks ahead of him, and two of them – and this is where it becomes a problem. Deshaun Watson is getting $46 million a year. Kyler Murray is getting forty-six-one. So every other quarterback that has had any modicum of success, especially in the playoffs, could point to either one of those guys and go, okay, that's where we start. Like Jalen Hurts could look at Deshaun Watson and go, I, I, I don't have those problems, and I've gotten you to a Super Bowl. <laughs> you know, and, and anybody can point at Kyler Murray and, and say, that dude makes 46-1, and they were one of the worst teams in the NFL last year. You know I'm worth more than him. And that's what, but, but then you could look at it and you say, okay, well, the Broncos are paying Russell Wilson 48-5. Now, Russell Wilson was trash last year, but at least he has a ring he can throw on the table. Same right. with Aaron Rodgers at $50 million a year. So you got to think, I mean, and, and we've talked about this back when Dak was going through this contract thing. With these guys that are going to get extended this offseason, if, if Hertz is in that conversation, to me, it seems outrageous that anybody would be making more than Patrick Mahomes. Right. And you know, the team's going to go, well, Mahomes is making 45 and he's played in three Super Bowls and has two rings. And then the agent and the player go, well, Kyler Murray hadn't done shit and he's making more than Patrick Mahomes. Right. So I want his money. 
Now let me throw another caveat in there for you. The other caveat is that Jalen Hurts' agent is Nicole Lynn of uh, Clutch Sports, which is uh, somehow uh, up there with LeBron's people. But more importantly, she's a, um, a black woman, which means whether she ever admits it or not, she's got to get a deal that's what? Market value. Because this is her first big time client like this. And you can't get a deal that if, if you're going to stay in the business that people look at and go, oh, look, look at her. She, she didn't yeah. get the right kind of deal. Now, it doesn't have to be the most money it, as long as it's universally recognized as a great deal. It can't be like the Ricky Williams Master P deal where everybody looked at and go, what the hell did he sign this for? Right. You know? And uh, I don't have any reason to doubt that she'll do that because she's been. She, this is not her first client, so she's she's done this thing before. But that's just a caveat to put in there, where they're going to be going to get a deal that she can put out there and say, "Oh yeah, I may be a black woman. I may not have done this for very long because she's only been doing it like four or five years, I believe. But here I am. I'm here to be dealt with." Yeah, it's going to be. This is. Some of these guys coming up, and Jalen Hurts is one of them. You know, Burrow is going to be fascinating to see how much is he going to cost and, and how that will flip everything. Because, again, I mean, that, that Deshaun Watson contract is ridiculous. <laughs> but it's one of those where you can point to it and say, well, that screwed the market because as much as I think a lot of us buy into the idea that Deshaun Watson is a very talented player and I think many of us thought that he would be a winning-type quarterback – we're still talking about a dude with, with even with all the off-field stuff, he just had his fifth season in the NFL and is 31 and 28 in his career. And when you talk about playoffs, you talk about a guy with one playoff win who's only been to the playoffs twice in five seasons as a starter, and he's making $230 million. It's a 100% guaranteed contract at 46 a year. I, yeah, I mean, I don't know how somebody like a Burrow or a Hurts doesn't point at that contract and go, that's where we start. <laughs> because somebody out there is willing to give me money like that because they gave it to Deshaun. And there will be teams on the open market, Burrow and and, and Hertz, who knows how much they would command. But then, of course, yeah. you know, the team could come back and just say, okay, cool, if you're going to do that, we're going to tag you twice in a row, and then we'll figure this out. Yeah. I mean, that's why there's a, there's a give and take within all of this. And, you know, ultimately the thing guys have to understand and guys have to figure out is truly, you know, what you want and what makes you happy. Like, and I say that's because Pat Mahomes decided, you know what, I love living in Kansas City. Uh, I love being part of the Chiefs. I love having Andy Reid as my coach. Uh, ultimately, I can get more money, but I'm going to take this long-term deal at 45 a year and i'm uh, there's nothing i can't buy yeah. so i'm straight i'm good now, i don't really care if you know Jacques taylor matt mclaren passes me in a couple years because I'm, I'm good um you know so you have to figure out what you want as a player whether you want the most money whether you want the most security i mean just what it is that you want and as i tell everybody man you know right or wrong answer it's whatever you want and then you just build your career off of that you know, Dak has made it clear. I want to get paid. Ain't nothing wrong with that, man. I like short-term deals. I keep going back. Cool. I got no problem with that. But it's just what you want, and then go have your guy go get it for you. Yeah, and, and as as wild as it is, I mean, granted, it's it's fully guaranteed, and you got to pay it all at once. The exclusive franchise tag for this offseason, you know, that Lamar Jackson maybe will be subjected to this, is I think, what, right around $45 million for the exclusive tag? Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see as this moves forward. Jalen Hurts, is, is it, it, this is going to be interesting to see what the Eagles decide to do. But they'll figure it out because I think that they know that they've got a guy you can win with. The guy is a winner. Like he has those intangibles, I think, kind of like we talk about with Dak to lead men and the guys on the team buy into him 100%. But to your point, now if you have a new offensive coordinator coming in and some, some of those things change, what does it look like moving forward? And do the Eagles want to say, okay, we want to see you do that again before we offer you four or five years at $50 million or whatever? 
Yeah, you know, Lamar Jackson's an interesting one because it seems like the the Ravens are reluctant to pay that thing. Um, you know, I read or I heard something this week that said, well, what if they put the non-exclusive tender on him? Yeah. And, okay, fine, if you want him, uh, we'll take these two first-round picks or a first-round pick and some other sort of compensation. And I was like, dude, you can do that if you want to. But, um, you know, there'll be some... T- There'll be some teams that grab him. Uh, something else I read this week said, and I, have, I, didn't, I didn't look at it closely, but said basically 14 teams could use an upgraded quarterback or use a quarterback. And there's only like three of them in the draft. So that leaves the 11 other teams to figure out between, you know, Derek Carr and, you know, some other guys like that or a guy like Lamar Jackson. Yeah. And so, I mean, if you're close and you're the Jets, you, you might be like, you know what? We got enough weapons. Uh, let's bring Lamar up here and see what we can make happen. You know, I mean, my point is, if you if you if you dangle him out there, I wouldn't be shocked at all if somebody said, "Yeah, I'll pay Lamar and give you a first round pick for him." I got no problem with that. Yeah, I, would, I, would, I don't know why some teams would not say yes to that. And then it, it goes back to almost like, okay, so you obviously didn't really want this guy. And we're going to make sure he knows that he is wanted, much like when Cleveland got Deshaun Watson. What do you need? Oh, you want $230 million guaranteed? Done. Yeah, no worries. I got you. Yeah, somebody will do that. It'll be interesting to see because I think the other, like the one franchise tag I think is like $32 million. Right. The non-exclusive one. So that's obviously quite a bit different than the rock-solid fran- franchise exclusive. We're going to pay top dollar the average of the five, which is nuts. So we'll see how it turns out, but fascinating the quarterbacks and how this is all going to wrap out is really interesting. The other thing in the NFL, and this is something that I feel like we've been going through every offseason for the past few years, Eric Bieniemy, who has left the Kansas City Chiefs and is now going to take over as the offensive play caller, the offensive coordinator in our division for the Washington Commanders. And it's interesting to see the different thoughts on what is going on with Eric Bieniemy and the idea that for whatever reason, it felt like he needed to get out of Andy Reid's shadow and, and be, there's, there's no debate here. I, this is my offense. I am calling the plays. I am doing all of this. I, I don't know what the deal is, but it's always a, a, an odd thing every offseason. You know, man, I'm really conflicted about that because – it um it just there's this is just a weird situation i don't know what it is i mean nobody knows what it is really or or we'd have heard about it by now but you know like you just said he needs to get out of that and show what he can do here that well that ain't what matt Nagy had to do mm-hmm. or that ain't what doug peterson had to do and i gotta tell you this is just off the top of my head i have never met either one of those guys but i will tell you that neither one of them strikes me as this effervescent bubbly personality who says, oh, yes, come follow me. Um, and neither does Eric Bieniemy to me from afar. And so it's just interesting and bizarre why somebody who, who's been associated with as much winning as he's had on his side of the ball has not been able to get a head coaching job because that's how people get hired these days, man. It's Oh, okay, we can't get Andy Reid, so we'll get this guy. We can't get Sean McVay, so we'll get all the guys who've ever coached on offense up under him to be the head guy. And that's just how it works. And so it's very strange that it hasn't worked that way for Eric Bieniemy. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and I mean, he's an older guy now. And But, you know, the fact that he's got to leave Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid and an infrastructure of winning offensive football and then go to the Chiefs, I mean, go to the Washington, where they ain't got no quarterback in place, really, and their offense is shady. You know, I mean, I guess you get all the credit if you do anything with that, but that's also kind of uh, setting you up to fail. Mm-hmm. And then the cherry on top, man, is I read something yesterday like, oh, yeah, Matt Nagy is uh, in line to be the next head coach when Andy Reid retires. Well, how did that happen? <laughs> like, he didn't have no success in Chicago. That's why he got fired. Yeah. So, you know, so it's just a very weird, strange situation to me. I wish I had more clarity on it. It's, it is strange. And it's very weird because you look at this. Eric Bieniemy is a guy that since 2019 
has interviewed for 16 head coaching positions with 15 different teams and has not gotten one. And that's really strange to me. And it, and it makes me wonder, like, what is, why? And I think we all want to know why. Because you had mentioned this, we were talking earlier, black coaches have been hired. Not many. Not many, no. Not, it's not like there's some rush of them, but... It, the, the thing about Eric, it's just, it's weird. It's really okay, this, odd. This is what I'm saying, Matt. Why would some owner not take a chance on Eric Bieniemy, who comes from this track record of success, but you'll take a chance on that dude from Denver who got fired after one year because he was incompetent? Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah. You'll take a chance mm-hmm. on Staley with the Chargers, who's made some of the dumbest decisions known to man yet maintained his job in part because they have they can't really afford to fire. <laughs> so you'll take chance, you know, the Cardinals just hired, I believe he's a white guy, based on his picture I just looked at, <laughs> 29 years old to be their defensive coordinator. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. you'll, make, you'll make all these, these out-of-the-box hires for white guys. Very rarely, if ever, is there an out-of-the-box hire for a black guy. And I'm not really interested in saying, well, you know, Jacques, we got to hire, we got to have these programs and put them on these tracks. Dude, these white coaches ain't on no tracks. <laughs> they're just there. Yeah. Like, really, they're just, I, I coach for, uh, and some of them work, like your boy in uh, Zach Taylor in Cincinnati. And uh, some of them work, like your boy in uh, Green Bay. But a whole lot of them don't work, bro. <laughs> they don't work. And when we just they get fired after a year or two, Matt Nagy, uh, Hackett, and we just say, hey, oh well, just didn't work out. On to the next one. It's all very interesting to me, man. It's it's very bizarre, I think, and I think for a lot of us, like how do you wrap your mind around because of what you just <laughs> talked about? And then like the whole thing to me is it just and you already mentioned this, but the the fact that Doug Peterson and Matt Nagy did exactly what Eric Bieniemy is doing. And yet none of these teams want to take a shot on Eric Bieniemy. I just, and I have no idea because I've never met Eric Bieniemy. I, 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 I've never interviewed him. I don't know if he's like the worst interview on the planet. I have a hard time thinking that he is. I don't know. Well, yeah, I can't imagine that he is. Um, but you know that I, I heard the other day some people say, well, he's got some things in his background. What Dude, things? What I, I think he had an incident with a woman. Uh, but from what I understand, that happened when he was like twenty, early twenties. He's now in his fifties. <laughs> like I mean, and there hadn't been anything since then. So I mean, like I don't know if we're gonna, I don't know if you can go that far back. At some point, it seems like there has to be a statute of limitations on boorish behavior. Uh, you know, so I don't know, man. It's uh. I wish somebody would give him a chance that we see. I'm not I'm not so sure you get a chance in um in Washington. And so again, I look at it like this. Okay, so you you want to go be your own dude, run your own show. Okay, fine. I get admirable, whatever. This is the best place you can find to go. A place with no quarterback? Yeah, I wondered about that as well. Like this the best this the best landing spot you could go. Like, well, damn, dog. <laughs> I mean, like for real, you couldn't go to you couldn't go to the Chargers. Oh, okay, and I got Justin Herbert and some weapons. Let me go see what I could do. You know, I mean, it's just bro. It reminds me of when black coaches used to have to take the New Mexico State job to get a head coaching football job. Mm-hmm. So I got to go to New Mexico State and go four and forty-four in three years, and then I can't get hired again because why? You can't sell me to another school because why? Because my record is four and forty-four. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 the it's just the most bizarre thing ever. I mean, like I would understand it a lot more if the Chiefs had not been winning Super Bowls, hadn't played in Super Bowls. But you, right. you I mean, you look at it, like you already brought up the dude in Cincinnati, Zach Taylor. Like, oh my God, you touched Sean McVay. Oh, you, you, we're going to hire you, Kevin O'Connell. He didn't call plays, and now he's oh, with yeah. the Vikings. You know. It's it's just it's so odd. Nick Sirianni, when the Eagles hired him, he didn't call plays. Nope. And and yet Eric Bieniemy, 
who's been underneath what many people, we had this conversation about Andy Reid. You can make the argument that Andy Reid is one of the greatest head coaches in NFL history, would be him and Belichick, the two most successful coaches of the last 20 years in the NFL, and yet his right-hand man, nobody wants to give that dude a shot and see, I mean, you, you can't be worse than, the hand, than, than Nathaniel Hackett, but maybe no. you're way better. Maybe you're the next Andy Reid. Well, you know, I think it also comes down to, at a certain point, and I don't know what that number is, well, the first five guys shouldn't hire him. Let's talk to him, but, geez, I don't know. Maybe we missed why they didn't hire him, so let's let's pass. And it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy about, well, we're not quite sure what the other people didn't see, so we don't want to get stuck with it, so we'll pass too. I, I just, it, it so, yeah, maybe. I just So now he goes to Washington, and is there this thought that he doesn't have a quarterback. Washington's horrible. Washington has a good season. The offense looks good. And then all of a sudden, team's like, oh, okay, so may he is good. We'll hire him now. <laughs> I don't know. It, it is – that is honestly one of the most perplexing things about a weird-ass league annually that we go through with Eric Bieniemy, And he's got to be just as perplexed, if not more so, obviously. Right, right, right. Where you sit there and you see these guys go, what the hell did that dude do? Oh, he touched Sean McVay. Bro. Yes, but I I touched Andy Reid. I have two rings. (laughs) It's amazing. I mean, I don't know. I I, I really thought that a team, you know, we were talking about this a couple years ago. I thought he would have been great in Cleveland. I thought he would have been great in Houston. And who knows? I don't know. I don't get it. I don't know. So we continue moving forward here. And before we do that, let's tell you, of course, about Freeway Tire Shop. JR and his guys over there at Freeway Tire Shop. Hell, you might run into Jacques. That's where he takes his cars. You're going to see JR. You're going to see his crews working. They stand behind their work. They're doing it right because the, it's the mechanic you can trust. From the easy things like an oil change, more in-depth work that we all have to get done. Maybe you need brakes. Like, we're going to have to get brakes soon, I think, which is always beating. You know, new tires and all that type of stuff. You want to take your car somewhere where you feel comfortable when you drop it off. And that is why Freeway Tire Shop exists. thing about JR, and the reason why I take my cars there is you can trust that dude. And you say, well, okay, I trust all my mechanics. No, 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 no. You trust him at another level. Then you can trust him to fix your car with quality parts. You can trust him, you know, as I like to say, to charge you a fair price, which is a big deal. And then you can trust him to, you know, stand behind his work, which is a big deal. Add all of that together, and you got JR. And if your mechanic isn't doing all of those things, like every single solitary one of them, then take your butt up the street, up 35 north toward Denton. Get off at Commonwealth. It's five minutes from downtown. Stay on the service road. Go through the light. He's on the right. You cannot, will not miss him. Tell him your boy sent you there from Jam Session. And feel free to thank us later. Yes, you will thank us because you will have peace of mind and your car will be operating correctly at a fair price. It's Freeway Tire Shop. Check them out online. You can request a quote, schedule an appointment at freewaytireshop.com. Also, of course, we continue to be made possible by HFX Foundation Solutions. Aaron and his crews, it's family-owned and operated. It's a full-service foundation repair company. They service all of DFW. They specialize in slab. They do pier and beam. They help with your drainage issues, your gutter installations. They offer a free, no-obligation inspection. They'll come out, check out your property. So if you're seeing the sticking doors, the cracks in the walls, and that type of thing, Give Aaron a call. See if you do have a problem. Because as we always tell you, I mean, like the one thing you need to know about foundation, don't F with it. Catch your problems early. Oh, no. You absolutely positively need to catch an issue early, man. Because uh, here's what's to deal with foundation, man. Foundation and all that stuff happens internally. It's stuff you can't see. And that's why we jokingly say, but we're serious when we say it. You know, go call Aaron and his team over there at HFX and have them ask for the colonoscopy before your crib. And we again, we laugh when we say it, but what's a colonoscopy do? Make sure that you're good internally. What does a colonoscopy for your crib do? Make sure that your house is good internally. And with that, it comes with some peace of mind, man. So pick up the phone, give Aaron a call, let his people come by, check it out, and get the peace of mind that comes from knowing your house is 100% good on the inside. It's easy to do. 817-770-0174 or check them out online at hfxfoundation.com. So a couple other things to throw out here for you. We were talking about this. You guys realize the XFL is back? 
I'm not joking. Like the the XFL, Dwayne the Rock Johnson was in Arlington on Saturday and fired up with one of his rock type chat motivational speeches that launched the new league and all these guys are there. The guys that I work with on the on the radio, Greg McElroy and Cole Kublik, who do our morning show, are on the lead announcing team for the XFL. And Tom Hart's the play-by-play guy. And they've got all this pomp and circumstance. What's weird is I didn't hear anything about the XFL. And then all of a sudden on Friday, someone's like, oh, the XFL is this week. And I was like, oh, my God, it is. That's right. Totally forgot about it. Very curious to see if this is going to have any success because the Arlington Renegades... I mean, they basically just took the team that existed a while back. Right. Whenever the XFL came around uh, a couple of years ago, when they did the 2020 relaunch, they had 5,000 fewer people that showed up this time around than showed up in 2020. And you kind of wonder, okay, they got about 12,400, I think it was, for the opening game. If that's who's going to the opening game usually these things fall off after the curiosity of week one goes on. True that, true that. So I kind of wonder what do they need to be successful with another league immediately after the NFL ends and then, oh, by the way, the USFL year two comes back in April. They need uh, some reason to watch the games. They need a star, a star player, some star potential. They need some reason to go out there and see can't just be the football because football probably isn't uh, i'm not being facetious it's probably not even 6a high school football quality because the players haven't been together that long and they don't even know each other Mm -hmm. you are correct from what i understand there is not a lot of talent in this league it's also very interesting that i thought they made a mistake starting the weekend after the super bowl because i think there's a lot of people who actually get so into football that they don't mind having that's why i thought the usfl might have success because it's in the spring it's easy you got a couple of months off of football where like whether you're a college or a pro fan whatever if you're both i mean i've been watching football every weekend for six months i was happy this weekend to be like all right finally like i I feel like it's almost like you are going into your off season you know where you get to recharge a little bit before the next football season I don't, and I know maybe this is blasphemy. I don't want to watch more football, especially if this is the product. Yeah, I mean, I'm, now this is just me. I'm kind of like you. Like I don't have, I don't have a lot of interest in watching inferior football. Uh, like I, like I, and I say it like I really enjoy soccer. It's one of my favorite sports. I watched uh, Champions League. Why? Wow, that's the best soccer you can play. I like to watch the Premier League. Best soccer you can play. I don't really like to watch Major League Soccer. Because it's not the best soccer. The best players are over in Europe. This is good soccer. It's high level, but it ain't what I would prefer to watch. So I don't. Well, I'm certainly not going to do that with football, bro. It's just me. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you, man. I mean, I, I think it's... I, look, some people are going to be into this. I, for those of you wondering, of course, the great Drew Plitt is the Arlington Renegade starting quarterback. Drew Plitt. Mm-hmm. You know, he played college at Ball State. No, no, can't say that I did. Undrafted, never played in the NFL, was on a practice squad for Cincinnati and and didn't last a whole season there. He's your starting quarterback for the Renegades. I'm trying to see Davion Smith is their main running back. Let me Google him real quick for you. Oh, yeah, from Michigan. Okay, sure. 28 years old. I mean. Wow. Let's see. Tyler Vons, Brandon Arcanado are their leading receivers. How old are they? Let me see here. I'll have to look them up because I'll be honest with you, man. I don't know them off the top of my head. Let's see. Tyler Vons. He played at USC. He's 25. He was undrafted. Interesting. So basically what you're getting, and this is what I try to tell people, and look, I think this is great. Good for for Kevante Turpin, who ended up on the Pro Bowl this year, coming out of the USFL. Maybe there's a diamond in the rough, somebody out there that's like that, that, that'll get a shot. You know, P.J. Walker, who played for Carolina, that came out the last time from the XFL. Right. But the reality of it is, I mean, and, and, and this seems harsh, and I don't mean to be an asshole about it, but this is reality. These are guys who weren't good enough for the NFL, 
to even hang on at the bottom levels of the NFL that in a lot of cases haven't been playing football in, in a while. And it's great, good for chasing the dream and whatnot. But I, I think it, it can be really hard for people. You have to go into it with a certain mindset. And it goes back to what you were talking about. This is not NFL quality. This is not high-level college quality football that most of us expose ourselves to. And you, you can sit here and say, well, minor league baseball isn't. Sure, but even like the NBA G League, a lot of the times, at least those are guys where a lot of them are the future of what we're going to be watching. Right. This isn't the minor leagues. I mean, this is like, I, I don't even know what level to call this. Um, no. <laughs> I don't I don't have a good answer for you. It's just maybe semi-pro, a notch above semi-pro. Yeah, I guess that's so, the way to describe it. So I don't know, but I I just don't have a lot of interest in watching it, man. Like none, not even a lot, like no interest. Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not going to watch a single second of it. <laughs> I'm just, that's well, the reality, man. I, I will not watch a single second of the XFL. Well, we solved that issue. Yes, we did. So I think it's, an, and those of you that want to watch it, awesome. You know, enjoy it, it love it, watch it, support it. I will say that it, like the USFL, it was based in Birmingham last year. So we, we heard a ridiculous amount about it because it was here. But the fact that Birmingham has a team, you know, I can kind of get into that because it's a local team, but this isn't a pro market. There's no pro sports teams here. And that's why I wonder, like, will people really care about the Renegades when you already have the Cowboys there? But also, let's keep in mind, the Stars and the Mavs are good and are about to make a push for the playoffs and get into the playoffs. The Rangers are getting into spring training. Are people really going to be, oh, yeah, the Renegades are here? No. Nah. You know, like we I don't mean, like when when the Stallions come back in April for the USFL, Birmingham doesn't have that. We don't have those other pro sports teams that are pulling our attention away. You basically have spring football, which will have been done by the time the USFL kicks off for college right. for Alabama and Auburn and the SEC. And then there's nothing going on, which is why I think people here, they'll show up because, hey, what do you want to do this Saturday? I don't know. Stallions are playing. You want to go check it out? Sure. Why not? Because there's nothing else. Right, right. So I don't know. I thought it was really interesting that the XFL decided to put these teams in markets that are that where they are competing with multiple pro sports teams in a lot of instances. I mean, clearly they spent a lot of money coming up with market feasibility studies and everything else. So it'd be interesting to see why they picked these. Maybe because they think the football infrastructure is there and that people will watch it. But I tend to just think the other bit. If you don't have anything like Jackson, Mississippi, yeah, okay, maybe we'll put a team there. Um, or some other places that don't have anything so you can become the city's team and we can really get invested in you. But yeah. When you got so many other options, bro, it just seemed weird. I agree with you. So the other thing in the sports realm this weekend is the NBA All-Star Game. And now by the time all of you listen to this, the NBA All-Star Game will already have happened, of course, because we are recording this on Sunday afternoon and it is tonight at 7 o'clock. So this will have already happened. It's Team Giannis against Team LeBron. I will say I might actually flip over to this because I like Luca, <laughs> And I would be curious to see what Luca does and how he fits in, in a game of this magnitude with all these other stars, in a sense. It's, it just don't even seem like real basketball. It isn't. <laughs> You know, but it, it's, you know, he's out there with LeBron. I mean, he's a starter, so I might turn it on at the very beginning just to see him, like, and then once they sub for him, I may, I'm, I probably will turn it off and not go back. But he's out there with the other guys, you know, Jokic, Ja Morant, Laurie Markkinen, LeBron, and Luka are the five starters that he is playing with. Right. So, I like, I don't know if you saw this. There's a video, so I saw it on Twitter yesterday. They showed Luca and Jokic were messing around at the at the All Star venue. Luca's standing on the half court logo with his back to the basket, throws a ball over his head with one hand and swishes it. Who does that? I, I that's I, I saw. I was like, what? And Jokic is just la like loses his mind, and Luca just kind of shrugs, like, <laughs> you know, like of course I can do these all the time. I mean, it is insane, man. Guy is insane. No, he's got he's got quite a skill bag, bro quite the skill bag but the uh the game you know man the game has just turned into the 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 nba all-star game used to actually be really pretty good yeah they mess around a little but it's still basketball 
and people tried but now it's to me dude it's it's one teeny tiny step removed from the pro bowl like guys don't even try at all yeah that's true so i mean they don't even try at all um so sometimes man you'd have more fun watching pickup basketball at the gym or basically, if they were just playing pickup basketball, that's true. Yeah, you would. If they if they just were running a pickup game during the summer, that's probably more entertaining than the All Star game because they don't even play. I'm not. Nobody's asking you to play Game Seven of the Finals defense. We're just saying just play regular pickup basketball defense. Uh, otherwise, it's just a dunk contest, but it doesn't impress me mm-hmm. because there's there's no resistance to the dunk or a three point shooting contest, which don't impress me because ain't nobody. Guarding the three-point shooters, and you guys are the best of the world. Yeah, I would agree with you. I, I don't get any sensationally exciting feeling out of watching the All-Star game. It, it's mainly just is what's Luca going to do? I think it'd be cool to see him do good. But even, you know, and I'll be interested to see because, I like, in years past, depending on who he's been out there with, he's kind of deferred to them. But now that he has been around for a while, this is his fourth All-Star game. You know, Steph is injured and isn't playing. LeBron is the only kind of goat on the court. You know, Jokic is going to be starting out there. But I, I would imagine that he views himself above Ja Morant and Laurie Markkinen, where he might actually, you know, because I don't know, it was either last year or the year before in the All-Star game. He'd get it and he might shoot it, but he passed it a lot. And it would, and you could tell he was kind of deferring right. to the other guys who, quite honestly, were on that level of respect that he wasn't at yet. But I wonder if it'll be different this year. That's a uh, that's real perceptive. Um, given what you just said, it, it might really be different. You might see a little bit more of the aggressive, let it fly, uh, let it fly, Luca. Yeah, that would be fun, and man. And I'm down for that because he hadn't really done that yet. Yeah, and and I'm you know I've talked about this with the Major League Baseball All Star Game before. I just think now I do not think about this with the Pro Bowl. I just don't give a, a crap about the the Pro Bowl. But I've always thought it was cool, like if a Mav or a Ranger. Even like Jason Robertson, who played in the NHL All-Star Game, I think it's cool when guys from your local teams perform well in All-Star Games. Oh, I mean, I don't. I think everybody wants that. I mean, it's like when the Rangers were really sending three and four people, they'd yeah. be like, yeah, Hank Blaylock, let's get a hit. And Ian Kinsler, can you do something? And Michael Young, can you do a little something? And whoever was pitching or coming out of the bullpen. So, I mean, I think it, it gets back to that whole civic pride thing, man. Yeah, everybody would like to see Luca go out there and put on a Luca-like performance, they see, that's what we get here. This is how we ride. This is how we roll. This is this who plays for us. What y'all got? Yeah, man, and it, it's, I don't know, like, I remember, and this goes way back, I remember when Julio Franco won the All-Star Game MVP in 1990, and I was a kid. I mean, I was like 11, but I remember being so excited because no Ranger had ever won it before, and I thought that was so cool, especially for a franchise that in, in the ni- early 90s had never done anything and never got any accolades. I thought it was so cool just being like, wow, Ranger is the best, you know? Like, and then I think uh, Soriano won it once, and then Michael Young won it, the All-Star Game MVP at some point. But I don't know, maybe more so with the Rangers than anybody else because they've never won a title, and for a long time we're like the dregs of Major League Baseball. So anytime somebody from the Rangers did something on a national scale, it always was just like, man, that never happens. So that was cool. So we'll see. Maybe Luca tonight will do something exciting. But I wanted to throw out a couple of things here, kind of uh, some block type stories. And unfortunately, one of those is the passing of the actor. He passed away today. Many of you will be familiar with him. A comedian. He plays the smart ass TV cop. Richard Belzer has passed away at the age of 78. Of course, on Law & Order SVU, I would imagine where most people are most familiar with. No, he's a... He's a very interesting actor. I mean, he had that character actor face and that character actor performance. Mm-hmm. Um, really good. Under Underappreciated, but good in those roles. Yeah, he has been... I mean, he's been in all kinds of stuff. I mean, mainly I think most people would remember him from how many times he was on Law & Order because he had been in a variety of those. And obviously, the SVU, he was a main cast member and was in every single one of those. So, been in a few movies and bounced around, but 78 years old... The other news, and this was everywhere on Saturday, is that former President Jimmy Carter, the 39th president of the United States, is in hospice care. He's 98 years old, and obviously when you get to hospice care, it's, it ends up just being a matter of time. 
And it, it's it's wild because I guess technically he was the president when I was born. And I never think about this because I'm always like, oh, well, Reagan was the first president of my lifetime. But it was technically Jimmy Carter until he transitioned into Reagan. I don't really know anything about his presidency. I, I wasn't alive. I was like one when he was no longer the president. But 98 years old, man, and, and who knows how long hospice care could be 24 hours. It could be a week. Who knows? Yeah, he's, um, you know, I remember him as being kind of the president who promoted peace, man. Uh, you know, he had those meetings with uh, Egyptian president Anwar Sadat, and they did some stuff over there trying to trying to calm it down in, uh, in that part of the world. And, you know, he's one of, to me, he's probably just a good dude who got to be president. Like, I don't, I think Barack Obama was kind of like that. Uh, kind of like that, but I think it's hard to be a good dude and get to be president because I, th- I think you have to do yeah. so much cutthroat stuff in today's world either to survive yourself or to stop the, your opponent from from mm. doing that to you that I think it's just hard to be a good dude and a good person and get to be president. And I think uh, he had a lot of good people qualities, which is why he was building Habitat for Humanity Houses at 95 years old. Yeah, and it's it's crazy. I was trying to think about this. We haven't had a presidential death in five years. The last former president to die was George H.W. Bush, who who passed back in November of 2018. So about four and a half years. Before that was Gerald Ford, who had died in late 2006. And so Jimmy Carter obviously will pass in, in 2023. And, you know, they, it, it gets a lot of news coverage. And then they do the you lie in state and that whole thing. And it's weird because I was looking at this, how long a lot of more recent presidents have lived outside of Lyndon Johnson, who didn't take care of himself and obviously was notorious for not being healthy, had a heart attack and died at 64. Outside of him, Herbert Hoover lived till he was 90. Truman was 88. Richard Nixon, 81. Reagan was 93. Ford was 93. H.W. Bush was 94. And Jimmy Carter is 98. Damn. Well, you know, they're also getting the best medical care. That's true. And the best uh, medicine. That is very true. And the best of everything. So, I mean, I think all of that helps you live a longer life. Yeah, and... That's, there's got to be a lot with that, but I always thought that this just the stress of being president, you would think, might shorten your life, I guess, in a sense. Because you always see those pictures, like Barack Obama is a great example of that. Remember how youthful he looked when he got in office, and then eight years later, he was almost white, like hair and old. And you could, like, the stress of the job had taken such a toll on his physical appearance. Yeah, I think uh, that, but I mean, it's also... And I haven't done any research, so trust me. It's also um, what age you go in there, meaning just like, you know, if I go to Facebook memories, pictures of my son pop up from seven years ago, and he looks like a baby because, what, he was 13 years old. Yeah. And now he's 20, and so he looks just drastically different. It's only been seven years. So it's like if if I was president at 50, and you show me at 58, even I'm going to look a lot different because gray that I didn't have at 50, oh, bro, I got the salt and pepper beard work. Yeah. You know, I've got gray here or there, and I'm not, I'm not one of those people who dyes it because I look good with gray. But, you know, that's the point is you can change a lot in that period. Yeah. And so, um, um, now I'm not, I'm not dismissing. I do think there's a lot of stress and that affects you, but I think it's all of that. Now, I did read somewhere that stress also turns your hair gray earlier, too. Well, that makes sense. And and that would have, a, obviously, being a president, the stress of that would be amazing. So with, the, with Jimmy Carter, at, at some point when he passes, that means we will have five living presidents. Oddly enough, the dude in the White House, I think, is older than all the other ones. Because Joe Biden is, isn't he 80 now? Dude, is he that old? Yeah, he's 80. He turned 80 at the end in, in November last year. That's what I thought. So Biden is 80. And then obviously you got Donald Trump, who is in his 70s. Yeah, he's 76. And then you've got George W. Bush, who is still alive, of course, and he is 76. 
And then Bill Clinton, who's getting up there, I think he is, let's see, how old is Bill Clinton? He's 76. Weird. So Trump, Bush, and Clinton are all 76. And then Obama, who is only 61, and you would think would be around a lot longer than the other guys just because he's 15 years younger. But that's kind of nuts that Joe Biden is the oldest living president once Jimmy Carter passes. And he is the president. I didn't realize he was 80. You know, I got to tell you, man, and this has nothing to do with anything political, so I don't need to hear your tweets and whatnot. I just think this in general of whoever it is. There is an age limit for how old you have to be to be in office. You you have to be at least a certain age. I feel like we might need an age limit for how old you can be. Like you, I don't know, man. Like once you get over eighty, I, I, I that just that seems a little extreme on the age scale to be running the country. Yeah, because you can lose it in a hurry. Personally, you know, like we we don't let a twenty five year old go run for president. True that, true that. So I, I don't know. I, like every time I think that, I'm like, man, that dude is 80. That is nuts. That he is the, again, once Carter passes, he is the oldest living president as a guy that we have right now. But I do agree with you. I think that it's hard to be a good guy and be president. Like I am convinced, and everybody's heard about the hidden bodies of the Clintons and whatnot. I don't know how you can be a power family in this country and not have like just a, like a trail of like house of cards, like just destruction in your past. And I think you have to because the world is so dirty, man. There's so much going on and everybody's out to get you. It's kind of a kill or be killed thing. Yeah. Like, like how can you have that much money? And then like the Bushes, the Clintons, the Kennedys, like how can you have a family that is that prominent with multiple people in the family? And yet, oh, yeah, you're the nice you're nice. You got there because people like you. Come on. No, I mean, just look at all the TV we watch. It's not based on nothing. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. House of Cards is real. Yeah, whether you go back to watching Dynasty and Dallas from the 70s, I mean, all that stuff is based on the same thing, man. So to go back to the Richard Belzer story, because you just sent me this tweet, this is, I did not know this, and this is perhaps the nuttiest thing of all time. So apparently in 1984, Hulk Hogan choked out Richard Belzer to, to prove that wrestling wasn't fake, Belzer was seriously injured in the stunt and sued Hulk Hogan for damages, which he won. Yeah, he should have. You can't just run around choking people out, man. What's wrong with you? Well, it's hard to know, like, in the clip, was was this, like, one of those things where he was, like, it looks to me like he, he volunteered to let Hulk Hogan choke him. Holy crap, he made him pass out. I just watched, I'm, dude, he, he put him in a sleeper and dropped him. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, you're an experienced wrestler. You know when the body's going limp. You know how long it takes to choke him out. So you take him to the brink, and then you let him go before he, he gets to that part. God, that is wild, man. What a weird story that is. Yeah, I wonder how much money he got. That's what I was looking at. Belzer versus, oh, yeah, because Hulk Hogan's real name is Terry Balea. Right. Back in 1990, it went to the Supreme Court. Let's see. It doesn't say. It says, oh, they reached an out-of-court settlement for an undisclosed amount. He had sued him for $5 million in damages for personal injury. So something less than $5 million, but there you have it. Interesting. Well, he made something because following the case, Belzer used the money to buy a farmhouse in Nice, France, which he named Chez Hogan. (laughs) Asshole. Wow, come on. That is so wild, man. It is, I don't know. That is nuts. What a wild-ass story that is. I always forget Hulk Hogan is still alive. He's, uh, he's yeah. He turned 70 this year. No, oh, see, I didn't know that. No. God, I didn't, he's 6'7"? I didn't realize he was that tall. Oh, uh, yeah, he's a big dude. Bro. Holy crap. Yeah, I thought he was like 6'4 or something like that. No, no, no. He's a, he's, a big he's a large man. No wonder he beat Rocky that first time around when he was Thunder Lips. That's why he was Hulk. He was big. Yeah, man. Okay. All right. Yeah, this seems like it's going to be one of those years, and I've talked about this before, where you're going to start to see famous people like Tim McCarver, who passed away, Raquel Welch, who passed away last week, and they were both 81, 82 years old. And we're getting to that point where the the people who were first famous in movies and prominent in sports when stuff started, like television coverage and whatnot, where more of us know who they are, they're getting to that age now. And I think you're, it goes through it every year. People go, oh, I can't believe this person passed. I'm like, well, I mean, they're, they're 82, they're 88, they're 90, whatever. So, Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but McCarver and Welch. You think McCarver is more well-known for his baseball career or for his beef with Dion? 
It's baseball career. Because <laughs> I hate to say it, man, but when I saw that news the other day, I immediately thought of that thing that he had, that beef that he had with Dion, which was always so bizarre. Yeah, I can't remember what the nature of their beast beef was. I can't remember either, I'm sure but was, it, I'm, sure, I'm sure he criticized Dion, and Dion didn't take it. Well. He did something, and then when Dion was with the Braves, he poured water on him or something like that while he was broadcasting yeah. something, if I recall correctly. So yeah, I think it was during some kind of celebration, World Series or Champions Series celebration. Yeah, and I think McCarver looked at him and was like, "You're a real class act, Dion, real classy," or whatever he said to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, kind of wild, but yeah, you know, McCarver, one of those those Cardinals greats on that team in the the '60s, and then uh, played throughout the '70s as, as well for a few teams. So he was in the majors for a long time, and he played like twenty something years. I know he's a terrific catcher, and then uh, you know, at certain points, you become just your clubhouse influence keeps you around for another three or four years. Yeah, and then obviously the passing of Raquel Welch was uh, was she a thing for you, or is she too old for you? Nah, she's too old for me. Yeah, that's what I thought. But, you know, her thing with the first interracial kiss with uh, Jim Brown's a big deal back in the late 60s. Yeah, so. I mean, you know, the reality of it was when, when she was in the 60s, she was, a, she was a very lovely lady. Yes, she was it. She was she, indeed. She was her. And that was, what was the, uh, the One Million Years movie or whatever that she was on the cover of that everybody always remembers where she was wearing that weird, like, you know, huge cleavage and scantily clad movie cover for the 1960s? Yeah, that's what she did, although she was never nude. So she was titillating. She showed you everything but nothing. She did it the right way. You got to yeah. leave something to the imagination. Absolutely. And she left just the right amount to the imagination for those of you who grew up maybe in the 60s and 70s that enjoyed... Uh, Raquel titillation. Welch. Yes, the titillation. <laughs> All right, so there you have it. That is the podcast for today. And we'll be back, of course, in a couple of days. You got all kinds of things happening, man. We'll see how the week progresses, what we run into. You just never know in this world of sport where no, the conversations will go. That's why we enjoy doing it so much. Hell yeah. There's always something fun to talk about. But you guys have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.